Hi and welcome. I'm Barb. And I'm Raffaella. And we are Recovery, Recovery 201. 201. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to season two. First episode of 2019. I'm so excited. It's February. It's a beautiful day. I know. Finally, it's February. It yes. felt like it was 74th of January. 74th? 936. Oh my God. <laughs> it took forever. January was long. January was long, but it was my birthday and I had a really good month. That's why it was long, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I had a really great month. I've had a really great, like, three months. Um, even though they were really hard, I've had a really great three months. I've lost some weight. I've really, like, stuck to a plan, and I feel so good about myself, and I'm just feeling really happy, and I'm really excited to get back I'm to so recording. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You're Thank you for... so good. She's my accountability partner, and it's, like, friggin' amazing, dude. She's... If you need an accountability partner, just email us. <laughs> Raffaella's up for the job. She is ready to do it. Um, but how was how was your New Year's? Everything good? It was so good. My mom was here. We had the best time. Oh, yes. Ever. Yes. Like, in our lives, I think. You know? I have mom issues, so um, I've started step study over step study every time she comes over. <laughs> and I was already on the step study, so we were good. But we had, like, I have finally... I finally feel like I have worked out my mommy issues. Yeah. And I understand her more, you know, and um, I don't blame her. So it was good. It was it, it was great. It's awesome when I feel like, I think it was about four years in when I was like, I accept my mom for who she is. She's exactly who she's supposed to be because I'm exactly who I'm supposed to be. Isn't that cool? It's just like... You know, it is what it is. What happened, it happened. And she did the best she could. Right. And I'm grateful that right. she tried and she was there. Right. Like totally. my sperm donor, you know. So right, exactly. <laughs> I'm grateful totally. for her. But um, New Year's resolution has been going good. I'm making my bed every day. Yeah. That was your New Year's resolution. Right. To I'm, make your bed every day. Back to basics. Yeah. Um, Mine was not to spend I've any been money. Working out and I don't have any money, so that day. was easy. <laughs> yes, you have been working out every day. But, you know, my thing is every time I have a race coming up, I work out, and then I don't have a race. I'm just like, ah, free for all. Let's just That's eat. That's okay. Uh, and but I, you don't I am crazy anyway, so stop it. No, but I mean, you know, it's just, I just like to eat healthy. It makes yes, me feel good. Yes, you do. You do. And uh, I've been reading books and staying off social media more, which has been so hard. So I'm yeah. on my second book and on the second month. Yeah. Would you recommend the first book you read, Girl, Wash Your Face? I recommend The Power of Habit for sure. Okay. The no, power I love Girl, Wash Your Face. I like okay. it. Yeah. I, it, it, the way I've she read a little talks, bit of it. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to, uh, it's an easy read. Yeah. Okay. You know, which for me is great because. Yeah, we went and saw the language. movie too, the documentary that was good too no it was great uplifting. i loved the book yeah mm. it was very uplifting um what's this book called the power, the of, power habit. of habit i think for us every addict should read it okay like, i'll put a link in the description it's i'm i'm not even halfway through it i only read 100 pages and i'm just like mind-blowing okay literally like it explains why we do the things we do and That's how so cool. to change it the routines the reward about identifying our cues, and it, it it gives stories about the football, how this coach did all these things using the same 
method, yeah. how addicts, it talks about Alcoholic Anonymous. It's just, it's amazing. Like, oh, okay, cool. I can't wait to read more, you okay, know? Okay, good, 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 good. All right, sounds great. Well, we are going to get into today's guest, um, and I'm super excited. Um, she reached out to us to be on, to tell her story, to help somebody else, and I'm just really excited about that. And I'm so excited to hear her story. Thank yeah. you, Raquel, for being here today. Yes, thank um, you. <laughs> Patrick walked in. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so grateful. I know that your story will inspire, inspire many people. Yes. Your story of courage, of getting out of denial, of, you know, and I'm excited to hear because I haven't heard, I've heard a little bit over here when you walked in today, but I, I don't really know. So I'm really excited to hear as well. All right, yeah, I'm real excited to be here. My name's Raquel, and I'm very grateful to be able to share my story, uh, my 10-year journey to freedom, only through self-recovery and God's love. It's all about God's love. It's not about me, so. It's a story. It, um, it's know, definitely a good story. Might have to put your PG warners on. or What did you say earlier, Raphael? Trigger warning. Yeah, so we're going to have a trigger warning because our conversation with Raquel is going to be raw. It's going to be um, no holds bar, I think. <laughs> it depends on her. Um, but um, it is a trigger warning. We're going to be talking about um, child pornography. We're going to be talking about um, marriage in a way that is... Codependency. Um, yeah, codependency. But we're also going to be talking about manipulation and brainwashing and and narcissist. Um, narcissist and so if you were in an abusive relationship, but we also going to talk about how God has transformed Raquel's life and yes. how she has come up on top, regardless of all these things that has happened to her. Absolutely. In her life and how she has overcome all the, her hurts and her habits and all the hangups that came her way. Yeah. So the trigger warning is really for, you know, if you've been in an abusive relationship, this might trigger you. So just take precautions. Or if you're listening with small children, this is not one for them to listen to. Okay. So Raquel, so tell us what you're in um, recovery for and um, how long you've been in recovery. I've been in recovery for eight years. Um, I started my recovery journey with the reveal of my husband's sexual addiction. Um, of course, started recovery all because of him. It was all him and learned that it was me and I needed to be fixed and I was broken. I was a Christian, loved Jesus, go on Sunday, worship Jesus, but there was no further than that. I was a sinful person, um, had got baptized twice because you know, the first time didn't work, didn't stop my behavior. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I thought the second time I would stop my craziness and get control and no. And again, I thought it was I was going to get control. But what happened was God came into our lives in 2010. My husband was arrested uh, for his sexual addiction. He was arrested for child pornography. And um, they blew up our world. Like, I had no clue there was that type of sin in our lives. I did know he liked pornography. I was part of his lifestyle. I didn't know it was a sexual addiction. So did you guys watch pornography together? We did for a certain amount yeah. of time, but at the time of the arrest, it had stopped with me. Oh, okay. Because throughout my life with him, I was married 22 years, so at that point, it was been with him for 15 years. Um, there were certain stops. I'm a flaming codependent. I 
whatever he wanted, whatever he did, I got to make him happy. And a lot of that came from my upbringing. And I'll yeah. talk about that as the story goes on. Yeah. But I just wanted to people please and people please him. So at the time of the arrest, there was no pornography that I was watching and he wasn't supposed to be watching that. So do you think like he brought you into watching pornography with him so that it would soften the blow if you ever found, oh, he could say, oh, well this, I thought they were of age. No, not at all. He didn't start me watching pornography with him that way to cover up anything. It was more to pull him into the addiction, pull me into the addiction so uh-huh. I would be okay with the deviant acts yeah. that throughout the years I did participate in. I admit yeah. that I was a co-addict at times, although I didn't know it. I was doing things out of his manipulation or coercion or make him happy. And if I didn't do things to make him happy, I would be more miserable. And I so was he abusive in, in other ways then? He was only abusive in his control and manipulation. Oh, okay. He would get angry and pout and not talk to me for weeks if I didn't do what he wanted to do. Oh. And um, a lot of control issues. Sure. But I just did it. I just was like, okay, whatever. And I didn't realize it was um, codependent. I didn't know anything until I got into recovery. So in 2010, he got arrested. The police had destroyed my house and they were doing their job and I did my job as a wife of a codependent <laughs> and saved him you know I, I didn't uh, look at anything for me it was like I have to save him I have to save this I have to do that I actually visited him at the prison and he told me he so he it. went to prison he went to, yeah he went to prison he so to let's jail. talk about when the arrest happened because I know it was a long time ago but I know it's powerful for me because I remember you telling me the story and that you were in the back of the police car. I was in the back of the police car. So the arrest happened. I was at the hospital just getting my regular checkup, you know, taking care of myself. And they called and they said, you need to get to your house right now. We have warrants. And I was like, what? So I rushed home and and the police are there and my kids are there. And that's the only problem I have with the police is that my kids were there. I had an eight and a 10 year old at the time. And, uh, they were there and they had my husband in handcuffs and I was just like overwhelmed. I didn't know at all that he was doing any sort of crime. And you had never been arrested. You'd never been with the police before. Like, yeah, not even a DUI, not a, not a traffic ticket, not a <laughs> traffic ticket. No, I got out of those, <laughs> but the police are at my house and he's in handcuffs and I'm just like, what is going on? So they must be a mistake. Must be a mistake. But my house was torn apart when the police come on arrest like that for child pornography uh, or anything like that. They take everything. So I'm walking around my house and the TV's gone, the computers are gone, and my everything's gone. And I'm like, what? It was just confusion. It was just confusion. So the policeman pulls me in the back of the car, reads me my rights, and I'm shaking and I'm shaking and I'm praying because, like I said, I was a Christian. I did believe in Jesus. I just didn't understand the depths of it. And you didn't have that intimate relationship. Exactly. I didn't have an intimate relationship. I didn't have any recovery. So they're, they read me my rights and they told me, they asked me, do you know what he's here for? And I said, no. And they said, your husband is looking at child pornography. And I started screaming and crying, no, 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 no. Like the denial and the truth, it was, it was not gonna happen for me in the 
back of a police car. So he, they finally interrogated me and told me all this stuff, and I just kept screaming no. And they finally said, okay, well, we're going to take him. We're not going to take you, but you need to get CPS involved. You need to call all these people to protect your children, protect yourself. And I just, I didn't know what to do. So they leave. They take my husband. And I'm like, what do I tell my kids? Right. What? When you don't even know what do I do now? (laughs) I remember that feeling. Yeah. I remember that feeling. My kids were there. They know my My husband was arrested before. Like, I remember that feeling. How how am I going to tell anyone this? Like, there's no... The shame is so great when your husband is arrested. The shame and the embarrassment and the mess. Like, I had to clean up a mess. So luckily, because God is good. And he's in jail, so he doesn't have to clean up anything. My brother-in-law was working for the DA at the time, one of my brother-in-laws. So I called him, like, some support. And he's like, well, he's going to be away forever, and you need to do this, this, and this. So I was like, okay. Right, because by the time they show up at your house, they have proof that they have been watching him for quite a while mm-hmm. in order for them to show up like that. Because I know yeah. with cases like this, they don't just like right. on a limb yeah. shows up. So they had proof that he was actually doing something. They had proof and I didn't realize this until the second arrest. Yes, there was a second arrest, people. We'll get to that later. That the policeman in the car was trying to help me. Mm-hmm. But my brain was frozen. Like I went into fear frozen mode. I couldn't hear what he was saying. Oh, okay. Until Ten years later, to eight years later, he was telling me, we've been watching him, we've been trying to catch him, he's crafty, we haven't been able to catch him. Because he was never leaving anything on the computer. Mm. So, he could never get caught. So finally he slipped, he got caught. Thank God. So, But I didn't believe any of that. So the next he day... He basically told her in the back of the car, he is being arrested on child pornography, and she didn't believe... The police officer. I did not believe the police officer. I could not believe at that time because my ex-husband. Now she thought ex-husband, it was a teenager. Well, that's what he told me afterwards. But at that time, he, in the police car, I was like, "No way, this is a mistake. This is this." There's, there's what I mean, a wrong. teenager. We'll get to that. Oh, that actually, I was like, uh, how he manipulated me into believing it wasn't actually child pornography because I stayed. Oh, him. right. But. Anyway, I go visit him at the jail. He's just in a little county jail, and I visit him, and he says, you need to find me a group for SA. And I'm like, what's SA? He's a sex addiction. I'm like, what? That's how thick my denial is. My husband is in jail. The policeman's telling me uh, he's in there for that. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need this. So I got on the computer, and I found Celebrate Recovery at my church that I'd been going to on mm-hmm. Sundays. Okay. You know, And at that time... Either Celebrate Recovery was in advertising or I wasn't seeing it. Right. So I don't know where that was. But I'm like, I never heard of this program before. And it, it had been along for like two to three years. So the first Friday he gets out of jail. His mom mails him out of jail. That's a big, long story. And um, gets him the best uh, criminal lawyer ever. And um, he gets out. And the first Friday we are at Celebrate Recovery. Okay. And I'm scared to pieces. But they had this thing called a welcome group. What's it called? Newcomers 101. Newcomers yeah. 101. So they had Newcomers 101, and we went to Newcomers 101, and there was a beautiful couple up there leading it. And 
they could tell I was traumatized. I was shaking, crying. I'm supposed to talk? What? <laughs> you know, so they got us through it. And for every Friday for a year, we went to celebrate recovery. Mm-hmm. And what we learned, what I learned at Silver Recovery was I had problems from my past. My dad abused me. My mom was gone mentally. She was an alcoholic. Um, and all of these things in my past brought me to be married to a, a sex addict mm-hmm. and accept it and to do the things that I did with him. Um, because I was watching pornography with my dad since I was eight. Right. Like, there's nothing wrong with pornography. Sure, sure. I grew up with that. Right. So, um, and he knew that too. He didn't know that. He knew I was abused. Right. He did know I was abused, and he did know that. So he I was knew he could manipulate you. Okay. He knew that he could lie to me and manipulate me. Sure. And, and lead me on. And one of his big things would be put down my family. Put down my family. His family's so great. His family's so mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. And mine's so terrible. And I, I believed all that. So you went to recovery for a year, and what, in that time, did he go to prison then? No, in that time, he was out on bail, um, so just simply out on bail, no legal problems, no legal things at all, because he had the best lawyer in the state. No. So it was kind of nice that we were just going to recovery. We were going to counseling, too, a lot of counseling, a lot of books. I read every book on sexual recovery there was. Yeah. I read... Uh, your husband's a sex addict. I read everything I possibly could. Codependent no more. I found this book. Yeah, was like, yeah. This is me. This is what I've been doing my whole life. Uh-huh. Um, and then I also started a little bit of my own recovery for the child abuse. Uh, yeah. The courage to heal. Mm-hmm. I started that. Um, I never started a step study because, of course, I was there for him, and he had to do his step study, and there was a lot of time away from the kids, and the kids needed us. The kids had been through trauma. Sure. So I let him finish his step study, and then a year after recovery, I started mine, which that was a life changer. Like, up until that point of starting step study, I was still doing my own crazy things. I had to have two to three boyfriends. I had to have these things in my life so that I could feel secure. Because mm. I'm married to this man who's doing all these crazy things. So once I started step study, God said, oh, you need to stop. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. And I said, God, I don't know how to stop. And he said, just stop and I'll show you how. So. Isn't that interesting that he brought that to you in a way that you could understand it? Like if you just stop. Then I'm going to show you the next step. He said, if you just stop, if you just put that phone down and stop your texting, stop everything, I will show your brain how to heal. And I did. So at this point in my recovery, I have seven years free from any man, any sexual deviance, anything. Seven years for me. When when that? As of today. As of today. Well, no, as of... October. Oh, okay. So I'm on eight years. I'm getting eight years. Right, right, right. Okay, got it, got it. So I moved for those chips. Like, okay, I'm going to get my eight-year chip at the, in October for you know, sexual freedom, which is exciting. Yeah. And uh, so God got me into that, starting all this stuff. And during my step study, uh, my ex-husband got arrested for breaking his probation. So he had a year of recovery. He had all this stuff. We were doing all this counseling, and I thought, okay. There's some hope for our marriage. And boom, he gets arrested again for breaking his probation because he couldn't stop. And uh, because he couldn't stop, 
and I'm in recovery and I'm doing all this great stuff. So he got caught for child pornography well, a second time? He didn't get caught for child pornography, but he got caught breaking probation. He looked at regular pornography. So at this time, he's a registered sex offender mm -hmm. and on the map and all this stuff. Right. And we had to go through a ton of stuff so that he could live in my house. We had to do a lot of things to prove that he really wasn't. Doing anything. He wasn't a pedophile. Mm -hmm. He was just yeah, a pedophile. Right. Yeah. Because of the kids. Right. So I had said earlier, I was going to tell you why I stayed with him, why I thought it wasn't child pornography. The story that he told me was that it was amateur uh, pornography. So instead of watching right pornography, you know, the addict goes from this to this to this to this. Like a professional film mm -hmm. porn. Right. That was no longer going to make him happy. I was no longer doing crazy things with him, um, so he got deep into the other things. So he told me that the video was amateur sexual pornography, people in the room making videos, whatever, and by chance they were under 18. So in my head, and what I'm believing is that he was doing bad things, you know, he's looking for pornography and, and doing other things, but it wasn't actual child pornography. He wasn't looking at underage kids on purpose. I kind of accepted that. I was like, okay, I can accept that. I've watched enough pornography in my life to, to understand. Right. You you it's, might don't know right. if that person for sure is 18 or right. not. Yeah. Consulting people having sex is what I thought. So I'm like, okay. And I was led to believe that. I actually went to a counseling appointment with him to have full disclosure. Because in recovery for this sexual addiction or any addiction, you have to have full, you have to have disclosure. You have to understand what the other person did. And so, be honest. Yeah. In order to fully accept, you have to be honest with yourself mm -hmm. and others mm -hmm. about the things you've done. Right. So we sat with this counselor, a very nice Christian counselor, and he disclosed everything he had did. But it was all a lie. So you thought. <laughs> so, but it was all a lie. Um, he did disclose how he, the, he got on the computer, why it was left on the computer. He's only going to give her the... He's only going to give you just enough, just enough to keep you around. Yeah. The full disclosure was very helpful. It was ear healing. It is part of the process. I was angry for weeks after. Right. That, but I did need to know why the crime had happened and how it happened. And that's what he did, kind of, sort of. Because he didn't tell me the whole truth, that it really was what he was looking at. And that's why the police were after him. But that's okay. I believed it. And... Um, I believed a lot of things. Now, I have the police reports. <laughs> the police reports were in my house, but I never read them all the way through. And we'll get to that Too later. painful. Too painful. Just, I believed him. I and believed I think you lies. wanted to believe him. Yeah. You lived with this man for 15 years. You didn't want to believe that he's been doing all these things right under your nose and you right. didn't notice. So you wanted to believe him. Right. And I... And I and I can relate to that. You don't want to believe that somebody you love and spend a long time with is capable of doing such things. Mm -hmm. So your brain, I feel like, it blocks it, yeah. you know, to, just so you can continue to go on. Yeah. yeah it blocked a lot. And uh, what I've learned is you've got to trust the behaviors. Trust behaviors, not the words. Trust behaviors, not the words. But it's taken a while to get that way. So he got arrested the second time under breaking probation. He watched some kind of porn. Who cares what he did? Um, and I'm deep in step study. I'm deep with my women. I'm deep in my growth. 
um, one of the things that I used to do to appease him or to just be a codependent was change my entire look. So I had deep, dark red hair and I used to wear the brightest makeup. And ladies, if you do that, great. If it's for you. If you want to look beautiful for you, right. great. But I altered my appearance for him. And it was the brightest Ronald McDonald dyed hair and it was just, I hate to say it, the horror makeup. Because he wanted me to look like a porn star. And, yeah. And, I and tried that's to the thing that with the whole porn thing. It puts up this, uh, what is the word? Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expect exactly expectations mm. of things that really that's not how things are in real life. Right. That's not what people look. That's not how sex really is, right. or or how just on a day to day life. That's how every day it's going to be in a, between in your marriage. It's right. just it's, it's unrealistic. Just it's just all it's just right. And it's just it really is just sin. But I accepted it because again I was watching it with my dad. So and it's not an excuse. It just is what it is. It's just so, it's just what you knew. Right. So in recovery, I'm deep in recovery. He's arrested. I'm like finding my own freedom. So I dyed my hair back to normal. I'm starting with the regular makeup. I'm you not cut all your hair head. off. I cut all my hair off and. I started finding a lot of freedom. I started running again and doing races. Yes. And, and getting back into who I was. But not as much as I am now, but just enough so that I could start feeling good. But more importantly, I started to really dig into the Bible. Because before, as a fake Christian, I wasn't a fake Christian, but just as a full Christian, I never read the Bible. Mm-hmm. A dry Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So as in, in recovery for now, like two years, I had read the Bible all the way through. I had started digging into the Word every day. In the power of prayer, right, and in friends, because being married to a to him, he manipulated me into not having any friends. And this is when we met, right? This one. This when we started becoming friends, and that was what about six years ago? About six years ago. Yeah, and um, I just remember like you were really strong. I was. She was like everything I would say to her. She would be like, "It's okay. God's got it." God's got it. God's taking care of it. I don't have to worry about it. Yep. I'm broke. doesn't matter. God's got it. Like every single thing. She was so on fire for God while he was in prison. And I was like, how are you so on fire for and, God when and he's you? in prison? And our kids are so little. Because our kids, our daughters are, were really close. And they were the same age. And so they were going to group together. And like, and uh, there was a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in her life. And I'm looking at her like... Wow, this is a strong girl. So he goes to prison. You still with him? I'm still with him because and he's doing his time, right? He believe it. He's doing his time. Then what happened? Well, I dug. That's when I really dug into me and and myself. You found yourself again, away from him. Away from him. You know, cut the hair. Took some trips. You know, some nature. How long was he in? Uh, Fourteen months. Yeah, he was in for fourteen months, and yeah, I had to rely on my faith. I was broke. I had to get the house repaired. I had to do all these things to save your life. life, you know. And it was a lot of just fighting with life. I had to refinance the house. I had to give up his car. That was fun, though. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, you don't get to keep your car." <laughs> but it hurts. All these pains and losses. And um, recovery was there. I jumped into leadership. I loved being a CR leader. I loved helping the women. Um, found a new group, codependency, and I'm going to codependency, and I'm like, wow, I'm sucked into this man's life. I've yeah. been 
sucked into so you had that light the light went on so you're like okay now i know why i do what i do and there is a name for it so i can like figure shit out yeah i could figure out and i could read books and i was reading a book a month i mean that's all yeah. i did at work I yeah did a great job just book after book and reading up in the word so i went through all of this so he gets out so yeah he's in there for 14 months and one of the things and I know Barb and I had a conversation. She's like, why are you still with him? What's going on? And I told her, I said, God keeps telling me to wait. And I didn't realize what that meant. But I would pray. Am I supposed to be with him? Am I not supposed to be with him? What's going on, God? And I'd visit him at the prison. It's an hour and a half drive. The I didn't know why he was in prison. But yeah, a lot of people didn't know. No, I didn't. didn't. I had my suspicions. Um, because it's shameful. And, right. and again, I didn't believe it. I thought right. it was... An accident. Yeah. You know, yeah. God, yeah, God I got you. take him away. But I he really didn't commit that crime in my head. So, no, like the way they were saying. Yeah, not, not, not that. Not that. He's, poor, he's a porn addict. He's a minute at that. But the other things. So I would go visit him and I would spend time with him. And I just, I was still questioning, am I going to stay with him? Am I not? And every time I prayed, I just kept hearing, wait, 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 wait. And I was like, I'm getting frustrated. God, what am I waiting for? You know? So he came out with some rules, and he had to live with his mom. He had to go to counseling. He had to do some things to get back into the house. And that was the strong me, because the old me was just like, right. oh, okay, whatever you want, you can live, you know. But no, I set up boundaries, and I set up some timelines. But the best thing is, when he was away, I did this book study called Betrayal Beyond. And it's by two big, big leaders in sexual recovery and for women as well because women going through sexual addict recovery it's hard your husband is doing crazy things and hiding behind your back he's got a second life right a complete second life and the betrayal and beyond books that i did it was a year study we had to do a safety action plan and i recommend mm. a safety action plan for anybody if it's abuse physical if it's alcohol abuse uh, if it's sexual addiction, whatever the other person you're involved with is doing, you need a way out. Right. And I was in this safe place. I had my step study done. I had started leadership in celebrate recovery, and I finished this yearbook yeah. on Betrayal Beyond. And the safety action plan I wrote down, if he cheats on me, he has to move in the house. If he you know, starts texting, if I find pornography, different things, different levels of what's going to happen if. And at the very bottom, the very last bottom, like I spaced it out. I was like, I can't write this. And my uh, main supporter was like, you need to write it. I'm like, no, he's never going back to prison. It's never going to happen. And she's like, mm. what's God telling you to write it, to type it out? If he goes back to jail over this, um, divorce is done. So my safety action plan, boom, it's written. You don't I, even want to say the word now. I don't want to say now. Yeah. Know? And I uh, wrote it out, and I mailed it to him. And so he knew what the safety action plan was. And before he came back to live with us, the grounds were set. The safety action plan was read. If you do this, this, this. Right. Well, I'm strong now. I'm not going to allow sexual deviance in my home. We're going to be godly couple. We're going to rebuild our marriage. Right. Because God kept telling me that. Wait, wait, wait. So he came back, and he started acting like... Yeah, he was going to be a godly man, and he got involved with the prison ministry, which was amazing, and he got back to involved with recovery, which was amazing, 
but only just enough to keep me thinking everything was okay. He's doing what he's supposed to. Because he didn't come to recovery. He, no, he didn't come to recovery, but his recovery group was the prison. Recovery. Oh, okay, okay. And I don't want to name them because it's not Yeah, no, 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 we shouldn't. It's not their fault. That no, because they're actually their amazing. They're amazing. That the they're prison amazing. group, I yeah. love them. I recommend them yeah. to anybody that I know that are in prison, coming out of prison. I love what they're about. Yeah. And I used to go with him a couple times, but one of the really funny things was um, the way that he would trick me be funny because every Friday night I'd be like, "You want to go to recovery? No, that's your thing. Okay, great. Um, do you want to go to this? Do you want to do that?" And I had started a step study. I had, I'm big in recovery. Like this man knows recoveries in our house. So the fact that he wasn't doing it just angers me. But what he was doing was this prison ministry, and he did get involved with it for maybe about a year. And I went a couple times, and I was amazed. It's open share with men and women, and they're sharing their stories mm. of how they're recovering from being Whatever, in jail, right? Yeah. yeah, just amazing stories, and how they get involved with work programs and stuff like that. So he uh, was doing that, and I'm doing my thing, but it was all a sham. It was all fake because he was, he was lying, lying, and cheating, and manipulating. And still doing the Compulsive things. liars are the did he blame craziest you for people. He it, would lie and then make it like it was your fault, like a good nar- narcissist. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I caught him. I had caught him like six months after he had been out of prison. I caught him doing some sexting on the phone, and I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute, step back, get the safety action plan out. What does it say? You gotta." You need to give me your phone now every week, like and do the checks. And I didn't want to start doing the checks. I didn't want to start right. spying on his life because then it makes me crazy. You know, like if I'm watching everything he does. Um, but to be honest, because that puts you in charge of his recovery, right. and that's not right, fair. I was just gonna say it's that's it's not, not your job to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm his accountability partner, right. but to try to keep me safe and keep my marriage safe, there has to be some guidelines. So, uh, and if he was an alcoholic or a drug addict, I could see it. But he wasn't. It was all undercover all this second right. night. So about six months after he got moved back into my house, maybe eight months after he was out, I caught some stuff on his phone, and then I had to start. I'm know, surprised that he could even have a phone. He wasn't even allowed to have a phone. Mm-hmm. Well, he weaseled his way into getting a phone because he's Be- a graphic artist. Because so, Right. So, so Because normally, versions. I think they don't allow sex offenders to or have phones. Computer. They have to have the flip phones that don't even connect to the internet. Right. Right. Well, we did have to have the uh, monitoring service on our house and pay for that for a year, which was nice. Someone else is spying on him or watching him. So yeah, he is a registered, <laughs> he was a registered sex offender, so he had to do all these things to keep him straight. So tell me something, Raquel. Mm-hmm. How did you I mean, I don't I don't want to sound judgy. I really don't. But because you know I love you. Just say it. But how did you wrap your brain around being married and having sex with a registered sex offender. It's just not something I think I could wrap my brain around. As codependent as I am, you know? Like, how did you reconcile that with yourself? Because I believed the lie that it was amateur pornography. Right, because I think... that was why he was arrested. Even the second time. No, this is before the second time. The second time we divorced him. 
This no, is... I'm saying after. So he got arrested once. We and haven't he got, got to out. the second time yet, right? And then he broke his probation. Yeah, but he only broke his probation with regular pornography. Okay. So regular so pornography. So it just is proved to you. So I'm wrapping my brain around being a maritime addict. Okay. Sex addict. Okay. And you were like, ah, child pornography over here. Yeah. Okay. Real sex offender over here. Got it. But we have rules to keep our. In way I liked it. Okay. In way I was like, cool. We have rules to keep him safe, to keep me safe, to keep Mm. him away from this addiction. Because yeah, after two years in recovery and looking back over my inventory. Of all the crazy things I did with him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a sex addict. Yeah, yeah. I'm a co-addict. I'm doing right. these things to appease him. I've done things that I regret and I repent and I'm forgiven for. But okay, so to answer your question, how am I about being married to a sex, sex offender. offender on the books and him having to do these things? Every yes. He has to get registered. Every yeah. Day. I can't have trick-or-treaters. I'm so so much. Right. They couldn't have trick-or-treaters. Because they love Halloween. They would for go Halloween. out to parties and dress up and like... Yeah. Couldn't do that. But we could still decorate for Christmas. Yay, Jesus. Right remember about that. I was raised right around that he was an addict. Okay. And that I, was, I wasn't helping him, but that was part of the recovery. Okay. I was going to... I get it now. It was going to help us. And it did help us for a while. Okay. I do have to say uh, it does help us. There were these rules enforced by the law to mm-hmm. keep him safe and keep me safe. So... Where were we? So, yeah, there's a second arrest. We're getting there. So, we're doing all this stuff. We're in recovery. God kept telling me to wait. So, um, my safety action plan comes effect because about six months after he's in my house, I find out he's doing some things. But he just lies. And he just says, no, it's not that. It's this. And I'm sorry. And I'm going to go back to recovery. So, he just does enough to keep me thinking that he is actually trying to overcome his addiction. Yeah. And, and yeah, how would he make me feel bad? He would cry and cry and cry. No. Okay, manipulation. You're, you're, you're wrong. I didn't do this. And tr- everything that I would find, he would twist around sure. to be angry at me. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he was good. He was real good. Okay. He wanted would, you to pity him. Yeah, to pity so him. So how long did this go on? So he got out of, off the probation. He was in for 14 months. And then he was home. How long was he home before he got in trouble? He was actually out for four years. Yeah, which is it a was long, a long time. Oh, that it is was a long, long time. time because of the, I believe, because of some of the rules, because of some recovery. And right. Really, I really think because of me. I really now think I'm going to tell you because of me. He was out for four years. Most people who get in prison and still continue the lifestyles are back in two years. Back two in years. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. the statistic. Yeah. Two yeah. years. Is the statistic. So I'm. But like, he was also sick. He got very. Sick. He got very ill. And what was wrong with him? He had some intestinal issues oh, oh, and like okay. no he cancer. was he almost died. And Raquel saved him twice. Yeah. Like yeah. hospital, like he was in there for how long? He had four major surgeries yeah. in two years. So he was out I think that saved him yeah, from he, being he was out. out of prison for um, about a year and he started getting really, really sick. And uh, what we learned through this, what I believe through this is that God was telling him to stop. Like, God's giving him another chance. I'm making you sick, so you believe in me. Right. And he had four major surgeries. So over the course of two years, he had four major surgeries. And, yeah, I saved him every time. And I kept praying. I kept going to church. I kept going recovering. I'm in the code of pedigree, but I'm like, help me. I'm taking care of a sick man. I have the keys to my husband's life is basically what I felt. And I didn't have the keys to his recovery. I had the keys to his life because I was giving him IVs at home. We had a six-month IV drip. I had to do all this stuff. 
So again, I, so I get sucked up into his life completely. I'm completely sucked up into his life and feeding him and clothing him and bandaging his wounds, doing all these things. And I lost myself again. I completely lost who I was. Mm-hmm. Start dyeing my hair right again. Start wearing the makeup again. Right. Uh, I didn't do any of the sexual deviant stuff again. That would never happen. Could tell the difference. Could all of a sudden tell the difference. Like it went from Raquel, strong, independent, to Raquel, who who is this girl? I don't know this girl. Right. Stop running. Stop exercising. Yeah. Um, just wrapped just up and, and, cr- and crazy dieting. Yeah, crazy. Crash crazy dieting. crash dieting. She's like, I'm eating lettuce. Like she was like, like you with eating the ice. Ice. You know. And I was like, something's not right. Some. So yeah. So four years out of him being away. Um. And he'd been going to this prison group every Tuesday, his recovery group. And I'm doing mine because um, he got better. He had the four surgeries. He got better. And what I think happened is that he never recovered from the surgeries. Like, he got all those surgeries, got better healthy, but he didn't recover from the pain of the surgeries. And his egotistical, narcissistic mind is like, oh, I'm God now. I but how how is that you know how is that happening in your brain? What is happening in yours? That's what in, I'm interested in, in. In my brain, I'm like, yeah, he's saved. He's such a great man. I saved his life. And the doctor bills, the insurance, it's all my insurance. Yeah. And um, we're gonna have the life that God kept telling me to wait for. That's in my mind. Okay. We're, we're gonna have. So the this marriage. is where the wait. Yeah. You were like, okay, wait. Right. Okay, God, I'm waiting. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm waiting, and I took care of him, and, and he's praying. You know, we are doing these things together that we didn't do before. We're praying before the searches. We're praying before every dinner. We're praying before we go on trips. We're doing all these things. And then one day. And then one day, I'm, uh, I'm sitting at work, and my phone starts blowing up, and I'm working at a call center. I can't answer the phone, so I finally get up, and I get the calls, and I'm like, what? I recognize this number. <laughs> well, no, what had happened was the FBI agent, because the second time he got arrested, it was the FBI. When the FBI comes to your house, girl, it is over! It's tragic. So now it's a federal crime. It's a federal crime. And why, and why it became a federal crime? Well, we'll get there. Okay. So the FBI agent let him use his phone to call me, basically, is what happened. So I get this message. That was really him. nice of that it, FBI agent. It, it was very nice of him. So I get this call, and he's in this panic. And I saved the voicemail. My sister has it because it's going to be a, every year I need to listen to this voicemail so I don't go back to, oh, because it's a scary voicemail. Mm-hmm. It's him saying, the police are here. There's nothing. They can't find anything. They can't find anything. Now, in my head, I'm thinking he didn't do anything. But then I re-listened to the message. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's they saying they can't, they can't find, find anything. anything. They can't they find They didn't anything. say he didn't do anything. He didn't, he didn't say he didn't do anything. He did not admit no guilt. He said they can't find him because he thinks he's so smart. Yep. But you're on the There's FBI's. There's that narcissism. You're on the FBI's most wanted list. They're going to get you when you mess up, just yep. like the last time. So all this craziness happens. I cry, 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 and I'm in a panic. Uh, I, the, he's calling me from the jail. He's calling me from the jail. So I accept the call, and he's just like, Rock, oh my God, please help, and blah, 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 get away. And he's demanding me to do things. And I'm like, I gotta get out of work first. I gotta take a point. What is going on? And I'm strong. And I prayed before I answered the phone. 
God, help me be strong. And I'm like, no, I'm not calling the lawyer for you. No, I'm not doing this. No, um, I am leaving home to get my house figured out because I knew it was going to be trashed and I want my kids to be safe. But no, I'm not helping you. Why are you there? And he's just like, I don't know. Nothing's there. So I get home. Yeah. This was May of 2018. So May of 2018. Oh, this just um, happened. Yes. Just happened. Yeah, my freedom just finally came. So I get home May 18. Um, I SOS'd a couple of my accountability partners from Betray and Brianna from Celebrate Recovery. My SOS people answered me, you know, because God's people are there for me. Because God's good. <laughs> and I walk in the door on the phone with my friend. So let's just describe the mess. The sliding glass door to my back of my house is shattered into pieces. Because when the FBI comes to your house, the day ain't waking anybody up. There's a no-knock warrant. <laughs> There's no no-knock warrant. You got oh, yeah, they're coming in. They're coming in. So they tried to get in through the garage. The garage is hanging off the ledge. The glass door is shattered. But they were nice enough to put up a board. So they they have to put house. up a board, right? Okay. I don't know. I'm just in shock. I don't think so. they have to do anything. No, they have to. They, <laughs> they can't leave your house unsecured. They always took all this stuff. I'm right. stole. Um, but I know their face were doing what they needed. Mm-hmm. But in my eyes, I'm robbed. I'm... Just, well, yeah, you're innocent, gone. and he's yeah, guilty, yeah, and you have to pay for it all. I had to clean up the mess, so I go into super, super mode. So I'm on the phone with my friend, and she's like, just pray. And I'm like, why is this happening again, God? Why are you torturing me? What did I do? And that's my point of thought, walking through the house. And she prayed me through it. We, I'm like, what did I do, God? And I'm just crying, and I'm just help me and he's calling my phone a hundred times sitting in the county jail and I wasn't answering because I was not going to get good I'm not going to listen to him so I get, get sucked in yeah yep. you get sucked into well, you know, help <clears throat> call your mom she'll help you and the mess is traumatic because they trashed my house worse than the Henderson police <laughs> they every cupboard was on the floor every closet was on the floor they had to thoroughly go through my house to find everything. Right. So it's a trash mess. I'm praying with my friend. I'm playing with myself. I finally get off the phone with her, get myself together, assessing the damage, and I walk into my bedroom. And this is where God shows up, and this is where God tells me, it's okay. I got you. Because at that point, if I walked in my bedroom, I was about ready to say, forget it, God. What what have I been doing for eight years? Why are you taking my husband away? Why is my house like tore apart? My Again, pictures were on the floor. The videos, the cameras, they took everything. So I turn the corner in my bedroom, and it's the worst. It's the messiest. It's just every oh. And I look at my bed. My bed. And Barbie asked me, "Are right, you feel like having sex with a sex addict?" Well, we didn't have sex <laughs> to be honest, because he's a sex addict. And I'm not attracted to him. He's attracted to the computer. So we didn't. Mm. That's another thing I'm in recovery for. Like, what? So, I mean, that didn't happen. But I'm in my bedroom and laid out on my bed were my recovery books. Not just one of my recovery books. All my recovery books. Courage to Heal, Two-Step Studies, The Petroleum Beyond. Um, There's about 15 books laid out in a row. And I knew that God had told the FBI agent, help this woman. Like, I can see this woman in my head. Oh my God, this poor woman, and she finds my books. 
This is the first thing she told me. Go ahead. So, they're all laid out. All of my books are laid out on my bed. So, the F, what I'm thinking in my head is this, and I see it, I can visualize in my head, the FBI agent walking into the room and finding my books. And they weren't all in one place. They were scattered under drawers. I had some under the bed. Right. You know, I got lots of works on recovery. Thank God, because it's helped me. It's saved me. And this poor lady's like, oh, this woman. You know, so the Holy Spirit or whatever told her to lay my books out. So that when I got to that point of thinking, that's it, God. I'm done. I can't. You could see there's still hope. I could see that there was a path. There was a way. Mm -hmm. There was, I was going to get out of this because I had eight years of recovery. Yeah. Because I had betrayal beyond. Because I had courage because I had all of these steps right out. Right. And I had my friends. Like, right. So Barbara, I tell the next day at work, and people are like, why even go to work? Well, what else was I going to do? Right. I got to go to work. I got to live my life. And I know Barb's there. Like, yeah. I know I'd find her. We don't work in the same office, but God has laid it all out and have these people in life. And like I said, I sent out SOSs to, you know, three or four people, and my two major people called me, and they were there for me right then and there. Let me ask you a question. Um, you know, when people ask me an example, what was the best thing that ever happened in your life, right? And I say, getting arrested and not being able to get out of jail. And people look at me normally like, what? Going to jail was, literally it was. It saved my life, it gave me this moment of courage. And I knew today that, not then, obviously, I was upset, I was like, God, again, like, how can you do this to me? Today, looking back, I, I know this. And I know that my worst, the what I thought was the worst thing that happened to me ended up being the best thing that happened to me. As you're talking, I can see how, I understand how you would feel that way, but then maybe God is just saving you from yourself yeah. with all this going on and how your life, there was no way to live where you were living his life for him and laying it out and planning and saving and and orchestrating and, and, and all this stuff that's no way to live. And there was a way for God to show it to you that he's saving your life and giving you freedom by taking these men away from you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The best thing that ever happened to me was the first arrest. The second arrest was my freedom. The first arrest was my recovery. If I didn't have that first arrest mm. and found recovery in all these books, then I would honestly be in jail right now or I'd be drunk or I'd be in a hotel room with men. I would right. be doing these things that I used to cope with, but I found courage. So yes, the best thing for having my life was my acceptance first arrest because it brought me to a place of pure surrender. Like, what else am I going to do? I have to surrender. Right. And being obedient in this path is where I've been. If God said, read this book, if someone said, do this, do that, I did it. You know, and I got invited to do Trend You became a it. follower, literally, because that's I, I what I did, too. I became yeah. a follower. Right. I just did what other people do. I wanted what they had. Right. Like, I would go to meetings, and these people would be like, oh, I have one year, and I did this, this, and this. I was like, okay. I don't believe that I should get a sponsor because I know, but that person got a sponsor and they got a year. So I'm going to get a sponsor because I want to get a year, you know? Yeah, I want to get my chip. I want to make my life be great. Right. So the second arrest. So the second chaos, arrest. All that you, chaos. You walk in, you see all these books. 
What happens? I see all these books. I get on my hands and knees. I pray to the Lord. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I thought two seconds ago, I'm done with you, Lord. Help me, help me, help me. What do I do? I went numb because I had to clean up the house. I had to get the door cleaned. I had to get the garden. I, mean, I had to get my son to say, they didn't want my son to come home from high school in a mess again. And he was going to graduate high school mm-hmm. in a week. Oh, yeah. He's going to graduate. That's right. His graduation was a week away. And my daughter was on the way back from UNR. My daughter is a UNR student. She's going to be a counselor, and she's going to save people's lives. Yep. The tragedy that she's had. So one of the things, again, that the FBI did was take everything, all their electronics. So if it was one more day later, if the police came to my house one more day later, they would have got her computer, too. Oh, God's timing. Right. Is always amazing. And, yeah, I have to look back at it. At the time, it's like, ah, wait, what? Right. But once looking back, it's like, okay. So this all happens, and I'm like, okay, I got to go recovery. Boom. Friday night, I'm back in recovery. My sponsor's with me. I got my three ladies with me because these people are supporting me. And I'm traumatized, and she was there. And I'm traumatized (laughs) because it was my recovery with him. And I'm envisioning him standing next to me and praising and blah, blah, blah. And what God had done throughout the journey was remove everything. This time, I had to be completely new. And there's a lot of verses in the Bible about Jesus making you new and doing new things. And I realized, even though a lot of it was painful, I had to be new. And you had to find yourself and be detached from him because God had literally, literally showed you by placing the books the way he did. It's like... Here's your stuff. Here's your stuff. Right. You're good. You're good. You don't need this. And where's your safety action plan? And what are you going to do? So it took me about a week to pull out the safety action plan and realize that, yeah, I'm done. We're going to divorce. We're going to end it. And I'm going to go on. And to answer one of your questions, in the back of your head, Bob, I had to change recovery programs and I had to change yeah. church because yeah. everything had to be had new. to be new. Don't get it hurt. Does it hurt <clears throat> on Friday nights when I don't get to see all my real friends and they're still in my heart and they're still on my Facebook? Yes. But did God give me a new recovery? Not new recovery program, but new recovery press. Because yeah. the program works if you work it. Right. It's 12 steps. You follow the steps. You, you have to do boom, what you got to do and what it's going to work for you. And and I and I get that. So he, God told me everything new. Here's your new recovery place. And it had been a place that I'd gone to a couple times when I needed extra recovery. You know, right. you got to have one. Uh, boom, boom. So this is my new recovery place. I get my seven-month shit for going there. Uh, this month, Woo-hoo. and the power of that, and having a new home church with no negative feelings. So I went through six months of trying to find myself and who I am in Christ, and who I am in this new person, and who I'm going to be the rest of my life, and yeah. who you are without Him, and who I am without Him, without having to save Him, without having to watch for Him, mm-hmm. and without being manipulated. I was going to say, Why don't you have so much free time now? <laughs> it's not even free time; it's dumb. <clears throat> the biggest thing that I found out in the process of him being in jail, me trying to fix everything, was that. He really wasn't going to recovery. The last six months of his life he wasn't trying. was a complete lie. Every Tuesday, he would come home with a story of his recovery program and how he was helping this man and how he was mentoring this person. And it was all a lie. 
And the reason why I found that out was because I called his recovery program to say, hey, your big man's not coming back. He got arrested. I feel so bad for him. I felt bad for my ex-husband's recovery program because I thought he was really helping people. So I want to reach out to them. And his mentor, he didn't have a mentor, laughed in my face, kind of, and was like, he hasn't been here in six months. Let me look it up. And he felt so bad when he was like, honey, we're talking about prisoners. We're talking about liars. We're talking about professional liars. Yeah. People manipulate. And I'm like, but wait a minute. He went out to dinner with you on his birthday and he brought him a bottle of champagne. And the guy goes, take a breath, say a prayer. You know, the Where place we go to recovery is right next to Lee's liquor. So he went into Lee's liquor, bought a bottle of alcohol, made up this huge story. But that's just an example of how he manipulated me and how he lied and lived this double life. Even my children thought every Tuesday that's what he was doing. Right. Can't talk to you. I'm in recovery. Even his mom thought he was in recovery every Tuesday. So I was believing this. I was believing that my life, the wait was for him. Like the God answered my prayer. He's in recovery. We're doing good. I was waited. So all what the do you time. think the wait is now? I know what the wait is now. The wait was to get my children to a place where they were safe and good. So my daughter um, was two years into school and um, college, and she's good. She's safe. And he got arrested a week before my son graduated high school. The wait was get your kids raised. Get your kids to a point where they don't need their daddy anymore. Because they both did. My son is an Asperger's child genius, um, so he's autistic. My daughter's a bipolar, rageaholic sometimes. So they're both on medication, they're both in counseling, they're both doing all these things to be normal or live the life that God wants them to live. To live their best. Like, yeah. You know, but God wired my kids up both to understand that their dad was a child pornographer, a pedophile. Because God knew before they were born this story. Right. Sometimes it's hard. It's like, oh, really? My son's an Asperger's child genius because he only thinks logically. So that when this happens, he can just wipe his dad out of his mind, which is what he's done. And my daughter is bipolar, so she can be in counseling and counsel people her life. But that's how great God is. So that all happened. I did, I was going to divorce him. And then I'm trying to sell my house. I can't live in the house that these crimes were committed in. And that's what hurts the most. Yeah. It hurts the most that he really was working in child pornography. And he was really doing this in my bedroom. Right. And I would wake up at night and, what you doing? You know, and I wasn't completely checking up on him and monitoring because he was doing that. He was doing his recovery. But it, it breaks my heart that these crimes were committed in my house. And I'm going to repent for that by donating to the outreaches for people to get women out of slavery. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing in, as my new life to help victims of child pornography. Right. Not that I was doing it. Not that I ever knew it was happening in my house. But it has affected You don't have life, to. But it has affected my life. Yeah. It's, Completely. There were sin and crimes in my house that I can't believe happened. So with the FBI coming to your house, <laughs> it's like, wow, he really did do this. And, uh, That's when you got to that realization. And how, how was that when you finally like, okay, it is kids. I have kids, right? Because to me, it's like that, like, I mean, before I had kids too, but after, I think after we have kids, 
it put things into a whole new perspective yeah. like whoa you know like, like li- i couldn't don't, it, those you, are little kids you They're, can't even imagine they yourself cannot around defend these people. themselves so when you came to that realization i was in shock and um when was, you finally like not in denial no more yeah i was in shock um my brother-in-law was actually driving me around going the FBI don't come to your house for no reason. They don't destroy your house for no reason. And I was just like, no, no, no. But that was only day one. Like day three, I was like, okay. Because by day three, um, we had all of the information of what he was really arrested for. We had all you the information of what read right. the files. Right. I didn't read the files. I know what's in the files. Right. Um, the files are locked. They're going to be locked down until he gets his hearing in. It's not going to be a jury. There is no, you sit in front of a jury and say you didn't do this. There's a hearing. You did this. Right. It's just a matter of how long you're getting. Right. How long you're getting and how much you manipulate the system and tell people that you didn't do these things or whatever. So basically he was on the FBI's most wanted list and he was going to the dark web. Oh, people. The dark web shows up on your computer. It's a little thing. You got to look for that. And don't be in denial. Like I was in such denial that he was in recovery that the little things that he was doing little things that i caught him on i just ignored yeah or or i not on purpose but because you just didn't know better and you didn't want to believe i wanted to believe the lies or like the new me would speak up like there were a couple times i found room keys in his pockets i'm doing laundry i did everything for the man so i'm doing laundry like room keys and i would my we live in vegas so i'd be like no those are playing cards my brain literally told myself after finding a room key that's a playing card. That's not a, a, a gloom key. And then the second time I found it, I confronted him. I was like, you know, this is a room key. What's going on? And he wheezed his way out. He'd of give you some other lie. And- oh, that was from when we went and stayed there. And of course, we'd stay at hotels every once in a while. I save those. And we do. We save our room keys as mementos. And I was like, but... Why is it in your pocket now? But go a little further. But why is it in your pocket? And he was like, well, I was just going through him and remembering how good we were, mm. you know. Yeah. Just anytime we would catch him, he would just lie after lie after lie and manipulate and lie. And then throw it back in my face. And then he'd throw the anger at me. Right. Well, why are you going through my pockets? Well, you know, why don't you believe me? I'm in recovery. I do this every Tuesday. Here's my phone. Here's my computer. And I do the check. Nothing. Well, he had another phone. Sure. So the FBI was like, well... They interviewed me. You know how scary that is? I can only imagine. FBI <laughs> oh. calls me. I need to talk to you. Okay. They ask me all these questions. Just standard questions. I get that they're doing their job. I'm scared. Did you know about this telephone number? No. Did you know about this? Did you know about that? Do you have a storage unit? And at that time, I did have a storage unit. And I said, yeah, that's my storage unit. I had all of you down my house. I threw everything in storage. Like, oh, okay. So I'm getting these reveals throughout the six months of all these terrible things that he had been doing. And you've already applied for divorce. You've already filed for divorce. Oh, I'm already getting the divorce because on the bottom of my state action plan said arrest, divorce. Right. And not that it took me that. I was ready to divorce him, but I did have to look at that paper and go, okay, I was in a safe place when I wrote this. Yeah. And the facts are the facts. That's good that you just said that. I was in a safe place when I wrote this. I have to trust myself. I have to trust myself. You have to trust yourself that when you're in a safe place and you write that safety action plan, that you actually trust yourself later 
to bring to follow, to through. follow it through, right? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So, so let's talk about now, Raquel. So let's now, talk about what you're going to do now. So you've divorced. I've divorced. You I've sold moved, your house. You moved. I moved in with my mother-in-law. That was a nightmare. Changed people, places, and things. Yeah, that was a nightmare. Blessing with my mother-in-law, uh, and then I had to move out of my mother's because I realized he was getting direct access to me. Even though it was nice that she was doing all the laundry and all the cooking, I needed that. I needed some recovery time. I needed someone to take care of me. So for about two months, she took care of me. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be involved with her and try to pray for peace and serenity. My prayer was peace and serenity. There was no peace and serenity. So what God did was I dropped my son off at UNLV every day. And it was my day off. And God said, go for a drive. Go look apartment hunting. And I said, what? And I heard the Holy Spirit so loud. Go look for an apartment. I was like, I can't, I'm afraid. But I did. And I found an apartment that day. And I moved down in two weeks. Because when it's meant to be, things just kind of work right. out. Right. <laughs> when I listen to the Holy Spirit, when I listen to that, go do this, it's for my blessing. So I move in at the end of September. And by the end of October, my house is perfect because it's perfect. And I walk in my house every day. And I'm so thankful for the peace and serenity. And I look back and go, yeah, wow, that's why I had to move. I I was praying for peace and serenity. There was no peace and serenity there. There was no, you know. New place. New place, new church, new person. Uh, I don't talk to him. There's no contact. Uh, there is some contact through his mom because I love his mom. She's my mother-in-law. But um, no contact. I'm free to be me. I'm free to go to church every Sunday and not feel guilty. I'm finally codependent. So, no, I'm not going to go to church because I want to lay in bed with you. Or I would go to church and feel bad that he's not standing next to me. Mm-hmm. So God has given me so much freedom to go on to recovery every week and to worship and to praise and to feel good about doing the steps and not feeling guilty. Right. And to go to church and to not feel guilty and to listen to SOS and not feel guilty. Right. And where am I going now is wherever he tells me to go. Um, doing the Trambon books again because, hey, that helped the first time. I got to do the Trambon again. I'm going to jump into step study in March. I'm going to start writing a book. See, I just said it nationally. I'm writing a book. Marriage right. to a Monster um, is the title. And um, I don't know when it's going to be done, but it's going to get started. I'm excited. And um, I just don't want any women to ever go through what I did. Believe the signs. You know, don't trust the actions. I believed. There has been flags all the way There were flags all the way through. There were finding room keys. There was the line of relationship. There was him being lazy and not trying to help, not doing anything. It walks like a duck. Sounds like a duck. It's a duck. duck. No matter if the duck is dressed like something else. I was hoping before I came in and did you guys, because uh, I wanted to do it, uh, that he would have a sentence and we would know. But I right. just realized it doesn't matter. You know? It doesn't matter because we really don't care. Yeah. It really it doesn't matter. This, this is not about him. It's right. about you. Yeah. It's about my freedom. It's about your growth. It's about, you know, and as you, I don't judge you. I don't think you did anything wrong. Mm-mm. Not even by staying with him the first time. I don't at all. And here's why. Because 
you lived with this man for so many years and you wanted to believe him at least me i want to believe people are good i wanted to see the good in people and i want to help and more when it's so close to us like a family or 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 a good friend you want to help them overcome and and see them succeed right right? and um, and keep keep them saved because here's the thing we can't save anybody nobody can save nobody right only that person can save themselves i can save me and you can save you and that's the truth and that's only happened when the pain of staying the same the, is greater than the pain of change mm-hmm. and that's when change really happens you know and i'm so proud of you it really shows um how much you've grown and your vulnerability to come and share this and talk about the hard stuff it shows all the growth that has happened in you and i know that um it's not easy to talk about but i know that a lot of people need to hear this need to hear that maybe this happened to them or maybe they've seen some signs or maybe they know somebody or maybe to check on their friends and and be accountable to them and and you know because sometimes we never think that this is gonna happen to me or to you like i'm sure you didn't wake up one day and be like well you know i think my husband might be yeah i think my husband's (laughs) gonna get arrested no right one of the hard parts about my story honestly is that there's one out there like and I know people get arrested. Yeah. The police have guidelines. They have things in place. The FBI didn't just come to my house on accident. Right. There's there are child pornographers out there. There are pedophiles out there. Yeah. And there are other women out there that share my story. Yes. And it's a hard story. It's not easy. I I I, I love my story, but I also hate it. Because yeah. Sometimes I feel so alone. Like uh. I want to go around recovery. And I remember telling my pastor one time, if anybody husbands get arrested, tell me, you know, send them to me, you know? And it's like, no, that ain't going to happen. But it will. And I want to help women understand that there is freedom and there is hope. And the first time I stayed with them and I thought we were going to be the perfect recovery marriage and we were going to have that. But he didn't change. And I did. And I got stronger and I'm going to keep getting stronger. And my freedom and my love for God and my understanding has gotten so much deeper because I'm in the word every day and I'm at church working every day and I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. I'm exercising girl. Yeah. You look good too. I ran a 3K. Yeah. You know, and I'm doing things that are amazing. Last weekend I went to the counselor with my children before my daughter went back to college and we did full disclosure with them. Nice. And I told them everything he did and it was hard. Did a practice room with my best friend and her husband and we did all this stuff but once we sat down with the counselor my kids laughed my broken kids laughed at what he did and all they cared about was me mm-hmm. and that was the final like super freedom because there was this weight on my shoulders I can't tell them because they wanted to know what he did but I don't want to tell them but I did and they laughed, and they're happier, and they're freer, and they're going to succeed. Yeah. And um, we're just going to keep going. Whether there's a hearing, and we know how long he's going to be gone, or whatever, it's all about me now. I am no longer sucked up in his life. And when I do get sucked up in his life, I send a little text, because yeah, I don't like the phone. I work on the phone, so I don't call my recovery partners. I text him, and I go, I'm thinking about him. And they're like, get it out! You know, and I go run, or I go jog, or I open up the book. 
because it is going to take you, hopefully not years, but it is going to take some time for him to be completely out of my head. Right. You know, yeah. the word that keeps popping up every so often that you talk is accountability, which is so important, so important in our recovery is to find your tribe and to find people that are going to be there for you. Not pe the 2 a.m. people, people that are going to answer your phone call. Yeah. 6 a.m. for me. But anyways, <laughs> you know, people that are going to be there for you no matter what, that it can bounce things off to you because I need to bounce things off. Am I being crazy? Like, is this really happening? Like, because sometimes, like you, you get in denial and you don't want to see things because you're too emotionally involved, you know, in certain situations. And um, so accountability is so important. Yeah, right. my, my we is strong. And my we got smaller. Um, I admit some people are out in my we that I miss. But again, it's all about me being new. And it's, it's not about, about quantity, it's about quality. Yeah, it's all about me listening to who God wants in my life and who God doesn't want in my right. life. And, and my we and my old we, part of Barb, is strong. And yes. I know if they need me, I'm here. You call me, you text me, and they were there for me. Like, what the second arrest happened, the FBI destroyed my house. If I wasn't on the phone, my friend, yeah. who knows? I would have had a breakdown. But like I was telling Barb, because of recovery and eight years of it, I'm not broken. I haven't been to the mental hospital. I haven't done anything. And one of the things my mom keeps saying is, how did you do it all? How did you move your house, get rid of everything? And I just bought a dump truck and just threw everything away. And I had friends come over. My we came over and helped me throw stuff away. And just to get rid of that whole life, just to yeah. get rid of everything. I did the same thing. Sometimes when, you have to do it. When I got out of jail yeah. the last time, my stuff were boxed up. I never even opened. I just threw it. threw it everything away. I didn't have one piece of clothes. Not that it fit anyways anymore because I went in 90 pounds. I came out 165. So it's not like <laughs> nothing that I had was going to fit me anyways. But like uh, maybe I regret my shoes. I had some really expensive right? shoes. Yeah. But I was like, you know, I don't want, I shake my head. I don't want nothing that reminds me of we moved houses. We still have the house. It's a rental, but we bought this new house. I didn't want nothing to remind me or, 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 or you know, those memories to be on my face all the time. Yeah. I did the same thing when I moved from Chicago. I left everything. I, I took such little amount of stuff. And I was, I was like you, like I had a whole house full of stuff and I packed up a U-Haul and moved in, in days, just packed it up and moved. Yeah. I just threw it all away. Yeah. I was, was going to have yard sales and then. Yep. Me neither. I my just daughter went wacko and almost killed herself and yeah. I was in the hospital with her and I heard the Holy Spirit, just throw it away. What are you trying to get rid of it? For? Just start over again. Yeah. My new life is so awesome. I, I walk in my house. I'm free. Yeah. And my son is happy. It feels good. And my daughter's happy. And we're going to be in recovery the rest of our lives. And that's we're going right. to be in counseling the rest of our lives because we... That's a good place to be. Drama. That's a great place to be. Awesome. That's This has been such yeah. a good time and a great conversation. Yeah, thank and you I so think, much. And I think this is going to be... We're going to put a trigger warning for just yeah. in case, but I think this is important. These hard conversations and these hard things is important because if we can help one person out there that they just like, what's going on? Like, I don't know. And feels like they are in a black hole because 
the floor under them just kind of like disappeared. Yeah. They can find some comfort and know that hang tight, find your accountability. It will get better. Just yeah. trust. Work through it. And believe and you will get better. Yeah. Well, we really want to thank you for coming on today. And um, thank you for listening to us. I want to say hi to everyone that's um, recently joined our um, Facebook group and Instagram. And we just really appreciate your support. And um, we know this was a really hard conversation to have. But we're so grateful Way for the Way to Cal. start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we start. Woo! 2019. Freedom. Hey, um, don't freedom. forget to follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else at Recovery to One Podcast and our email. Please email us if you have any question, if you want to share your story, or if you if you just... relate and you want to talk to the guests, we can forward the email on to them. Whatever, just email us at Recovery to One Podcast at gmail.com. And remember, when life gets lifey, stay paid, prayed up, focus on the similarities, not the differences. Speak love. Spread hope. I'm Rafaela. And I'm Barb. See you later. Bye. Bye.